When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, Senior Editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com with you for another episode of Let's Ride Your Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning podcast. It is Wednesday. Happy Hump Day, everyone. We are halfway through the work week. I hope you've been having a good week, even if you've been at work, and we are really, really close to the Pittsburgh Steelers reporting to training camp at St. Vincent College in Latrobe, Pennsylvania, just next Tuesday. Next Tuesday. We're days away, and I hope you're as excited as I am. We at Behind the Steel Curtain are gearing up for that in a lot of ways, mainly the training camp confidential. That will start next Tuesday. It is at least a 48-hour span of continuous stories that are going to come out, their features. It's one of my favorite projects. It's it's not been as good the last two years because of training camp being in Heinz Field, but with the, the Steelers being back at Latrobe, in, Saint, in Latrobe, at St. Vincent College, that is when I feel like this project really thrives. So be on the lookout for that at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com and also wherever you're listening Make sure you're subscribed to our podcast network. We're all giving you really good quality content uh, as it relates to the Steelers heading into training camp. I know that for me, myself, if you missed my Monday show, I laid out exactly what it's going to look like here on my show in these four shows I have before the Steelers report to camp. The first was Monday. We did the offensive skill positions. I had Bradley Locker on for the Monday morning conversation. Check that out in case you missed it. Now, Wednesday... I'm talking about the defensive skill position players. That's going to be interesting. And there's a news story that ties into that perfectly. Coming up on Friday, we're going to dig into the trenches, both on the offensive and defensive sides. And then next Monday, the day before the players report, we're going to talk about the coaching staff and special teams. Because you got to give the special teams some love. Big press. Is he going to be big press this year? I don't know. Can't be as bad as weasel boy Jordan Berry. We know that. But still, we'll talk about all of it. We're going to break this roster down for you as we get ready for training camp in 2022. Let's talk about some news, as we always do here on the show to start the show. Something that I talked about, I think it was last Friday. It might have gone all the way back to last Wednesday's show. It was about Ben Roethlisberger being clutch. And it was Friday. It was my Friday show where I talked about don't let 2020 and 2021 kind of tarnish the legacy of Ben Roethlisberger. I had a Twitter follower said, Jeff, you bring up his comebacks and his fourth quarter comebacks. What you forgot to mention is that sometimes the reason they had to come back was based on the fact that he played awful early in the game. Fair enough. He said that I had my Big Ben glasses on. Look, I've been a Big Ben apologist for a long time. I'll admit it. I will admit it. But also, he still was able to pull off the comeback. All those times. I mean, when you look at the numbers... I have him here somewhere from last week. Yeah, overall in his career, game-winning drives 53, 
Fourth quarter comebacks, 41. Yeah, some of them were due to poor play early in the game. Not going not gonna to deny that, but he still was able to get the job done in the end. He didn't always do it. Super Bowl 45, perfect example. But ultimately, Roethlisberger, especially in his prime, was really, really clutch. And I, I know that there's a lot of people out there that might say, well, Jeff's a homer, blah, blah. That's fine. But I'm acknowledging that sometimes he didn't play well, and I'm also say, stating that Roethlisberger was extremely clutch. I think you could say both things, and you're not talking out of both sides of your mouth. All right, another news. Oh, my gosh, the, the big ketchup bottles. I thought this was hysterical. The big ketchup bottles at Heinz Field, I'm sorry, Acrisure Stadium, as it's called now, it was hysterical when everyone, there were even people on our podcast network that said, Maybe Heinz will stay in it. You know, Heinz released a statement. They still want to be a partner with the Steelers in some way. Like maybe they could keep the ketchup bottles up there. They'll still sponsor the red zone. And they'll announce at high at I haven't said Heinz Field. They'll announce in the stadium at Acrisure Stadium. The Steelers are now entering the Heinz red zone. And then the ketchup bottles will tip. If you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. And they even asked Art Rooney the second about this. You know, Art, what's going to happen to the big ketchup bottles? I mean, a lot of people think, okay, the name is different, but the look will be the same. And he said, well, you know, we're going to, we'll see what happens. A couple days later, it's hysterical. And all of a sudden, you see a crane yanking the ketchup bottles out of there and fans. It's just like they, you know, you rip the band aid off all over again. It's like when you're a kid and you skin up your knee and then you go out and you play again you bust it open and it's like y'all we're starting all over there are fans that are crying all over again I loved what Cam Hayward said on Twitter he said folks it's just a name over it I'll see you in Latrobe I love that approach I think that's absolutely the best approach the best advice anyone could get from a current Steeler player but that wasn't the only news another news that's going to take us into this defensive skill position discussion for today's show was the fact that NFL, Madden, whatever you want to call it, EA Sports, they put out there, you know, the, the players that are at a 99 rating, you know, Devontae Adams, at wide receiver, was a 99. Aaron Donald is a 99. Um, they, they, they went through a whole bunch of players and positions, and then Miles Garrett is a 99, and TJ Watt is a 98. I still think they do this just to really make Steeler fans mad, to get them chirping on social media, talking about the ratings. I know the pro football focus has some, it's kind of intertwined there a little bit, but still it's a perfect discussion because that's who the hell cares. I mean, let's be honest, who cares? If you're talking, I'm I'm a 39 year old man. I'm a, I'm a husband. I'm a father of five. I work two jobs. I do not have time for video games. Uh, I'm currently remodeling our kitchen, ripping up tile by, you know, with, by you know a hammer and a in a pry bar and, and all this stuff i don't have time to play madden i haven't played madden since it was on super nintendo i think i really could care less but still it's a talking point and it's a good segue into this discussion about the defensive skill positions again if you missed my monday show which was all about the offensive skill positions and are they quote unquote up to snuff you need to go back and check that out. It is not outdated. You'll enjoy it. But let's do this. We're four. We're talking about four positions on the defensive side of the ball: cornerback, safety, outside linebacker, and inside linebacker. So we're going to start with cornerback here, and we're going to go through all of these positions before we get to the second half of the show and get into the mailbag. My ride or die crew was they had a lot. To, they had a lot of questions. We'll put it that way. So cornerback. Let's look at the players 
And then let's see if they're up to snuff. So we have Cam Sutton, Akella Witherspoon, Levi Wallace, still have James Pierre, Arthur Millette, Justin Lane. Those are the main cast of characters. Again, there are some undrafted players that are still in the mix, but you know what? If they're fringe players, like I always said, then they're not going to be the difference makers in wins and losses. Therefore, I'm not going to consider them for this discussion. So the question at hand is, are these cornerbacks up to snuff? Are they going to be the difference in winning games and potentially losing games? And when it comes to losing games, well, I could see that for sure. You have Akella Witherspoon, who is certainly up and down, finished the season so strong. But everyone I've spoken to through SB Nation, when I say that I'm talking about the Seattle Seahawks folks, they cover them. That's the Field Goals site, the Niners Nation site. They know Akella Witherspoon better than most any other NFL organization because they covered him in San Fran. Is one word, inconsistent. That's what everyone has said. That's why Seattle shipped him to Pittsburgh in a trade. If he can get become consistent and kind of replace that Joe Hayden number one cornerback, at least in theory. I know he's not a good tackler like Joe Hayden was, but still, if he can be that guy, then Cam Sutton, Levi Wallace, Arthur Millette, they can all kind of go where they need to go. And that's really important because then you're not going to ask someone like Cam Sutton to be primarily on the outside. He's not the best there. You want to have solid pieces of the puzzle to allow everyone else to move freely. I'm going to say that right now, Kind of like the quarterbacks on Monday, this is not this group is not up to snuff. They haven't shown me that they can do it yet. Terrell Austin being the defensive coordinator should be a upgrade for this group. So that's important to note. But ultimately, I just don't think that this group is up to snuff as of right now. Now, safeties, that's a little different. Why? Minka Fitzpatrick, Terrell Edmonds, DeMonte KZ. Uh, we have Marcus Allen. You want to throw him in there? Miles Killebrew. These players mainly the top. Okay, the question is, are they up to snuff? Last year was thin. It was thin. I mean, you're relying on Marcus Allen is, I guess, in this discussion, he's not a safety. He's one of those hybrid tweener guys. They have a lot of those guys on the team. And so for me, I look at this, Minka Fitzpatrick is the most expensive player, almost almost the most expensive player on the defense, but he is the uh, highest paid safety in the NFL now. We know this after he signed that five-year deal, four-year extension, whatever you want to call it. Terrell Edmonds comes back on a one-year team. The note, in my opinion, KZ also signs a one-year team-friendly deal. And just right there, those three. Now, I, I could also throw in Trey Norwood here. I could have put him with the cornerbacks. You can kind of move him around. They have, in my opinion, some great depth and they have options. They can move players. They could. Jeffrey Benedict's talked about it. Kevin Smith has talked about it, how the Steelers could use a three-safety approach this season. That's something Brian Flores likes to do. Terrell Austin has done it a little bit before. That could really enhance the defense. Is this group up to snuff? I say yes. And the reason I say yes is based on the fact that I think the big three there, we're talking Fitzpatrick, KZ, Edmonds, not in any particular order, are going to change the way the Steelers can play defense, not just in the back half of the secondary, but all across the board, and that's really important. Let's go to outside linebackers. I mentioned TJ Watt. You know, he's not in the 99 club. He's 98 on Madden. Oh, no, good Lord. But you have TJ Watt, Alex Highsmith, Tuzar Skipper, Jannard Avery is in that group, and so is Derek Tushka, or Tushka, however you want to say his name. I don't know. But anyways... I look at the outside linebackers, and are they up to snuff? This reminds me of 
when I talked about the running backs on Monday, I had Najee Harris, Benny Snell, Anthony McFarland, some undrafted players, and I said they were up to snuff. Why? Because Najee Harris is that guy. Well, that's why the down look at the outside linebackers. You look at the top two, mainly at the top one, and you say, are they up to snuff? Yes. You have the defensive player of the year on the group. Yes, it's up to snuff. Why? Because he's that guy. He is that guy, and he makes every single person around him better. If he's on the field, he is a one-man wrecking crew. We saw it in 2021. Teams would have their entire offensive line trying to protect T.J. Watt, and he would sometimes still get to the quarterback, still make a play, 22 and a half sacks. You know what the stat line is. I don't need to tell you. He is that dominant. So, yes, the outside linebackers, the depth is an issue. The depth is a concern. But when I say are they up to snuff, can they win you games? Absolutely they can. And I think Alex Highsmith, great article on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com right now. Go and check it out by our own Kevin Smith about how he has Alex Highsmith as his pick for the breakout player on defense this upcoming season. Now we get to the tough position, in my opinion. Cornerback was difficult. The next two weren't that bad. Safety and outside linebacker. This one and cornerback were the toughest ones for me. Inside linebacker. You just have so many players. I mean, you have Devin Bush, Miles Jack, Robert Spillane, Ulysses Gilbert III, Marcus Allen, Mark Robinson, Buddy Johnson. You could put Jannard Avery in that list as well. There's so many players it's just the sheer quantity. But do they have the quality? You have the quantity, but do you have the quality? That's a question with the inside linebackers. Devin Bush, I think, is going to have a better season. Would I label it a breakout? Like, would he be a breakout candidate? Probably not. I mean, if I'm being honest, I think he'll improve his play. I'm not sure it's going to lead to a second contract with the Steelers. But still, when you look at Bush and the rest of these inside linebackers, you have to wonder what's it going to look like. Jeffrey Benedict had a great podcast on this on Tuesday morning. If you missed it, check it out. The cutting room floor really dove into the inside linebacker position. So I'm going to glean a lot of information from him about this. And and really, when I look at all of this, I look at the players that are there. Are they up to snuff? I can't say yes. I, I just cannot say yes. Not with the way Devin Bush played last year. Not with the acquisition of Miles Jack. And we just don't know what that's going to look like. Are they going to be on the field together? How does someone like Buddy Johnson or Jannard Avery impact the depth at the position? Mark Robinson, UG3, Robert Spillane, all these guys. It's just, I, I can't say yes. And so this is funny because I honestly am just doing this one day at a time. I did the Monday, did the offensive skill position players, four positions. Today, defensive skill position players, four positions. In both days, in both units, I had two that I considered up to snuff and two that I said weren't. In today's, I said cornerback and inside linebacker were not up to snuff, whereas outside linebacker and safety, they were. I don't think you have to have every single position falling under the criteria that I've listed, but it does certainly help. We'll put it that way. It does certainly help. So just to kind of wrap this up, I think the Steelers' defense is going to be really, really good this year. And you look at a position like cornerback or inside linebacker, I could say that right now, as we sit here on the 20th of July, that, yeah, that's not up to snuff. But that could definitely change. It absolutely could change in the coming days, coming weeks, with the training camp starting in the preseason. So be on the lookout for that. Also be on the lookout for the second half of the show where the mailbag will be coming. So stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. I will be right back.
fans, it is the second half of the show. It is time for the mailbag because that's what we do every single Wednesday. It is hump day after all. If you're wondering, how do I get a question answered? Well, that's a common question that I get, not so much for the mailbag segment, but in general. Follow me on Twitter at jhartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T. And all you have to do is, on Tuesday, respond to the tweet. I've been on an office kick, and so I've been doing gifts from the office, and I'll answer it. So let's get this show started. Doc M, or Southside Doc, as we call him on the show, he said, how much does coaching affect performance? I think coaching affects performance in a lot of ways. When you think about in the NFL, you are the best of the best. This isn't college where it's sometimes it can be watered down. You don't have the same elite players. In the NFL, every single player is elite. So because of that simple fact, I say that, yes, coaching does matter, even at the professional levels. And he continues, how much should pedigree be considered? And why do prospects with little NFL film get lauded despite the late-round undrafted status? I think that everyone, even going way back to the 70s, uh, when you think about the, the Steelers scouting department as they started to really look into the HBCUs, the historically black uh, colleges and universities, you find these diamonds in the rough. I mean, you think about third round day three picks and later, and and sometimes they're they're no gimmies, but they can turn into real, really good players. And so I I think that, you know, yeah, just because pedigree, where you went to school, was it, you know, a major conference? Yeah, that matters, but sometimes good players just don't get recruited out of high school. There are, there is such thing as being a late bloomer physically. So it's just my two cents there, but yeah, very good questions, doc. Thank you very much. Heath Davis. Haven't heard from him in a while. He says back like I never left. And from a long hiatus, Jeff, give it to me straight. What is the last big roster move you foresee for the Steelers this off season? I, I don't think there is another big roster move this off season. I, I, I don't think anything's going to happen before camp. I mean, they, they, the Steelers made a move in terms of filling out their 90 man off season roster. And that's because Daniel Archibong retired, was put on the reserve list. But other than that, no, I don't think there's going to be any, I hate to disappoint you, but yeah, Heath continues. Question number two, what do you think was the most deflating play for the Steelers? Jesse James touchdown being called off against the Patriots or Mendenhall fumbling against the Packers. I need a bad taste in my mouth. So I'm ready for some smash mouth Steelers defensive football. Now, I'm going to say that the Jesse James play, that game makes me mad. Everyone always, yes, Jesse James caught the ball. It should have counted. But what people forget is that the ball was down to like the one-inch line. And the Steelers elected to throw the ball. And Ben Roethlisberger throws an interception. The ball was intended for Eli Rogers, of all people. That almost made me more angry than anything else that took place. The fact that they threw it after that, the fact that it was picked off in the end zone, I cannot stand, I cannot stand red zone turnovers. And yes, the Jesse James thing is, is it was idiotic. It was mind-numbingly bad in terms of a officials trying to get involved in the play. But what transpired afterwards still irks me to this day and no one talks about it. So, yeah, you want to call me a Ben Roethlisberger apologist. He he screwed it up big time in that game. All right, Heath's rare third question. He said, if all the current starting quarterbacks in the NFL were locked into the Thunderdome and had to fight it out, only one gets out, who is it? I'll go with Josh Allen from Buffalo. Big, strong dude. I'm not taking someone like Tom Brady. I think he'll go anywhere but in the Thunderdome. Let's go to Brian Haynes. He has several questions. 
Jeff, can you give my youngest son a shout out? It's his birthday today, or I'm sorry, yesterday, July 19th. He's seven, so he'll love hearing it. Also, who are your top three Steelers Hall of Fame snubs? Okay, so first, happy birthday to your son. Happy seventh birthday. Great number, number seven. You know BTR, Benjamin Todd Roethlisberger wore that number. But still, happy birthday. Hope you have a great day. And, uh, man, it sometimes I wish I was still seven. We'll put it that way. But it, the Steelers Hall of Fame snubs, if there's three. Number one for me is Heinz Ward. Number two, L.C. Greenwood. Number three, if I'm going to say a third, a snub, Ah, oh, this is tough. I, I would probably go back to the early 2000s teams. Maybe there's someone that's deserving, uh, like a James Ferrier. We'll say him. There you go. Brian asked another one. Who would you rather add to the team, Prime BTR or Troy? So it's Prime Ben Roethlisberger or Prime Troy Polamalu. Yeah, this is a difficult question. I'm going to say that would I rather add to this team? Give me the Prime Ben Roethlisberger for this team. Uh, but if I'm just picking a player that I want to watch in their prime, it'll probably be Troy Polamalu. Another one from Brian. If the team plays to its potential, can the Steelers win number seven this year? Sure. Get into the dance. You never know what can happen. And lastly, Brian asks, what's my longest tee shot? Okay. He's hashtag Ryder Die Crew. Thank you very much, Brian, for the questions. Um, I've hit one well over 320 probably, and it was probably downhill, wind at my back, super dry out, running like crazy. Uh, yeah, I, I have a decent decent length to my golf game, but it's nothing to write home about. I'm not entering any long drive competitions. I'm more focused on keeping it in the short grass. There you go. All right, Tank. That's right, Steelers Tank. He has a bunch of questions. Let's get this started. Okay, let's forget about the stadium. He calls it I'll Be Sure Stadium. And let's talk about Adam Sandler versus Will Ferrell, best movie from both. Okay, Adam Sandler, it's easy. It's Billy Madison. Nothing tops Billy Madison for me when it comes to Adam Sandler. Will Ferrell, some might think that I'm going to go with old school, but he was a supporting, he had a supporting role in that movie. So I'm actually going to go with Anchorman. I think Anchorman, that movie was one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. And if you want to have some really good laughs, if you think that movie is funny, Find the Anchorman soundtrack that has Ron Burgundy narrating and being like the DJ. It's so funny. It's hysterical, but check that out. Tank continues. Who would be your ideal 90s TV show family to be a part of? Would it be Family Matters, Full House, or Fresh Prince? I'm going to go with Full House. I love Full House. I, I, I thought that Joey was hysterical. I thought that would be fun. Big family. I have a big family now. I'm not saying it's because of Full House, but still, that's what I'll take. Tank also asked, since we're ignoring Albacore Tuna Stadium, (laughs) Fred Flintstone or George Jetson, always take the Flintstones over the Jetsons, but that's just personal preference. Let's go to Will Caldwell. Will Caldwell says, hey, Jeff, do you have a favorite Steelers uniform design? It's funny you say that. I wrote an article on Tuesday about how, you know, all these teams, the the Bengals, the Panthers, they've all released these new alternate jerseys, alternate helmets. And I'm like, man, the Steelers haven't done that in a while. In terms of uniform design, I just would love to see if they're going to do a throwback. Give me the block numbers with a gray face mask. I think that would look really cool. And they could just go back to that as their throwback, and I would be happy. I think all the fans would be happy. And I would love for them to eventually do what the Penguins did and revert back to the block numbers. I don't think they will. But still, yeah, that's my favorite design. I love the fact that the Steelers uniforms are classic. That's what I like. Will says, also, which wide receiver out of Chase Claypool, 
Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, Calvin Austin, are you most interested or excited to see in the real Matt Canada offense? Believe it or not, everyone's going to think I'm going to say Pickens, but it's actually Claypool. I want to see with a mobile quarterback, what can, what can they do with Chase Claypool to get him open, to get him one-on-one matchups that he can absolutely feast on? Put him in the slot. I don't care. That's who I'm most excited for. Good questions. Aiden Blaine asks, Hey, Jeff, if you had 60 seconds to make a pitch to a new NFL fan on why they should root for the Steelers, what would you say to convince them? My pitch would be simple. The Steelers are all about consistency, and that's consistency in success and winning. It's consistency in the fact that they don't have a lot of turnover on their roster and their coaching staff. If you're looking for a team that is going to be competitive every year and they are going to make you proud to wear their colors, and it might not always end in a championship, but you know what? They do have a history of that as well. You might want to try the Pittsburgh Steelers because that's a team, and they're only going to get better. They're only going to get better from here. But good question, Aiden. Cheeseball10 says, Jeff, if you had to pick two Steelers, one from offense and one from defense, to represent the Steelers in a league-wide Oklahoma drill competition, who would you choose? Okay, one from offense and one from defense. One from offense is obviously Najee Harris. From defense, hmm, think about I'll take uh, Cam Hayward. I'll take Vic Cam or TJ Watt, probably on defense. That would be fun to watch a league-wide Oklahoma drill. Eric Askew says, after seeing highlights of the celebrity softball game, which Steeler could make the Pirates squad? All right, so this is from the, the Washington Wild Things. They hosted Cam Hayward. It was a second annual celebrity softball game. Looked like it was a lot of fun. I did not get invited. I wish I would have. I could have actually put my, I don't know, 15-plus years of adult league softball to use. But no, nonetheless, they paraded all these other clowns out there, and they got smoked. I think it was like 18-6. to six. I could have at least put up a couple dingers. But anyways, um, I would say that which Steeler could make the Pirate Squad. Kenny Pickett's swing. I mean, he had a home run swing for slow-pitch softball, and the dude's an athlete. So I would say KP8. He was hitting bombs, hit two home runs. Jersey Geo said, hey, Jeff, uh, who ride? We ride. Ride or die crew on three. We ride. He said, it's always been KP8. Thank you, Jersey Geo, for the comment. We appreciate it, all the ride or die crew. State of the Steelers says, in 2019, Mason Rudolph was 5-3 and three for a winning percentage of 6-2-5 as a starter with what most would argue a less talented team offensively. Is that 6-2-5 win percentage the line or bar for a Kenny Pickett-led offense once he becomes a full-time starter? I wouldn't say that there's any bar for Kenny Pickett. I'm not one that's going to compare Kenny Pickett to a a Mason Rudolph or Devlin Duck Hodges from 2019. I I think that people are going to expect Kenny Pickett to be better than It's not going to be to play as good as basically a rookie Mason Rudolph. And also, when does he become the full-time starter? Is it this season? Is it next season? And we don't know. So, But for me, I'm going to let Kenny Pickett be Kenny Pickett. I'm not going to compare him to Ben Roethlisberger in 2004. Not going to compare him to 2019. He's going to be held to a high standard no matter what. So it's not going to be a number for me like 5-3 and or something like that. Good question, though. All right. Daily Joint Company says, hey, Jeff, digging the unitard helmet. It's not a unitard helmet, people. It is a shiesty hood. Get it right from the Steelers preview podcast. If there was ever a way to finagle George Pickens into an interview with you both wearing the hood, 
it would, should win an Emmy. I think that's hysterical. My actual question, though, if you could pin it on three things, why do you think TJ gets completely disrespected by any outlet not Steeler-centric for the most part? I mean it in the... I mean it in the sense that TJ legitimately has a chance to be the tier of not just Hall of Famers, but NFL legends, but gets no love outside Pittsburgh. The lack of respect, in my opinion, makes zero sense. I can't, I, I as someone that's a Steeler fan, I cannot put my finger on it either. But I agree with you. They, it seemed like the NFL was painful. It was painful for them to give the Defensive Player of the Year award to TJ Watt last season. But they couldn't not give it to him because he had 22 and a half sacks. And this is not a system thing. He is absolutely that good. I agree with you 100%. I don't know why he doesn't get the respect that he should. Okay, Todd Hall, he asked, going into training camp, who, what does the wide receiver depth chart look like to you? I, I talked about this on Monday, so Todd, go back and check that out. I, I said that they were up to snuff. I think Chase Claypool is going to revert back to more of the rookie year Chase Claypool DJ, Deontay Johnson's going to be good if we can get some rookies. Uh, but, you know, it's going to be tough. I have high hopes for the wide receivers this year. And, you know, come to think of it, I, I did not have them as up to snuff on my Monday podcast. I said that there's just too much unproven, uh, you know, the, the rookies just have not proven anything yet. So I take that back. My apologies. Next, Matt D, what's the plan for nose tackle in the future? Does Montrevious Adams have enough ability to solidify his spot after Tyson Alawalu retires? You know, I think that Montrevious Adams could be a long-term fixture or someone like him because the Steelers don't utilize a nose tackle like they did with Casey Hampton. That's something we have to think about. The sub-package football is here to stay. That takes the nose tackle off the field a lot. And so you want someone that's a little bit more athletic. They don't have to be as big and stout as Big Snack was. So maybe Montrevious Adams is that guy. We'll see. Nick Olson, he said, if Mitch plays lights out this year, do you see the Steelers trying to sign him long term, or do you think they'll full be they're fully invested in KP8? I think they're invested in KP8. I have to be honest. I don't know, and this is a good problem to have if it does happen. But I think they are invested in KP8. You don't take a quarterback twentieth overall, the first quarterback taken, and then just have him sit there riding the pine, holding a clipboard. You know, so I, I think that if anything, if he balls out. The Steelers would maybe trade him, doubt it, but still we'll see. Uh, I think they are invested in KPA to answer your question. Zach Bauer asked too, number one, do you think Anthony McFarland can finally stay healthy and be a factor in the offense? He was a monster at Maryland. He did have some very good years in Maryland, but he also did have a history of injuries at Maryland too. I hope that he can stay healthy because if he can stay healthy, I think he, Snell, and Harris can make a good running back trio. They can spell each other accordingly. I still have hopes for that, but like you said, he has to stay healthy. Second question from Zach, what will it take for the Steelers to not be the bottom five in yards per carry this season, and how will it benefit slash hurt Najee's stats? For me, it's going to come down to the offensive line. We know Najee Harris can do it if he has the blocking. It's going to come down to can the offensive line do it and do it consistently. I don't think that necessarily means it's going to hurt Najee Harris's stats. If anything, it's going to benefit his statistics. So I don't think 381 touches is what he'll see, but I do think he'll have more production if the Steelers offensive line can get the job done, and that's a big if. Last question here from Two Bar Gone. Hey, Jeff, I could, if you could only watch one player from any sport, golf, football, baseball, from any time period, who would it be and why? And he says, I'd go with Barry Sanders or Mel Blunt. I did see Barry Sanders play, so I got to see that. I didn't see Mel Blunt. If I'm going to say 
from any sport, I'll even go ahead and name you the three sports you listed. So baseball, I'd go with Roberto Clemente. I'd want to see number 21, Arriba, going out there on right field, playing at Forbes Field. That would be fantastic. For golf, I love to go back and watch Ben Hogan or Bobby Jones, some of those classic golfers. Their golf swings were just so beautiful and perfect. I'd love to go back and watch those guys in football. Um, I would love to go back and just be able to get a glimpse of the 70s Steelers. So in that respect, we'll say a young, mean Joe Green. I want to see how dominant he was before injuries started to take their toll and the offenses started to try and figure out how to stop him. And then he became a facilitator for others. He was taking up two to three blockers to let other people win. I want to see a young, mean Joe Green, though. That's what I would want to see. Good questions, as always, from the Ride or Die crew. Y'all never disappoint. Remember... I'll be back on Friday. We're going to be talking about the trenches, that offensive and defensive line, so be on the lookout for that. But that's it for me today. I hope you have a great Wednesday. We're halfway there, folks. You know how we finish it out. Be safe, be kind, and God bless. Those to you. We'll see you on Friday.